Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our G League Unsung Hoopers Part 1. And yes, there will be a Part 2 because there were a lot of players that we left out for this one. And next month, we are actually going to be doing a Part 2 for the G League Unsung Hooper because there are a lot of players in the G League that definitely need to get talked about. So we actually came up with five players each for this rendition of the unsung hoopers for the G League. And Jalen, let's just kick things off because we have a lot of players to get to. Who's your first G League unsung hooper? Yeah, man, I had a lot of fun putting this list together. The first guy I got to go with is uh, Mason Jones for the South Bay Lakers. So he was named player of the month in the G League recently. And, I mean, he's just been balling out. 28 points per game, 8.8 rebounds a game, 6.6 assists. If you go through the shooting numbers, 37% from three on almost six attempts shooting over 86% from the free throw line. I mean, even from field, he's shooting 52% just about. And if you go through his actual box score, the dude has not had a single-digit game all season. The dude has only had two games where he scored less than 20, and he's had, I believe, at least two games. Yeah, there's at least two games where he scored 30 or more, three games actually, where he scored 30 or more with the, the main one, the one that stands out the most. They played against Salt Lake City earlier in the season, and the dude dropped 44 points on 25 shots. So, I mean, he's just been eating offensively. He's doing it all right on the boards and with the assists as well. But the scoring touch, that is where they're eating. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw out any shade, but I'm just wondering if the Lakers might want to give my boy a call. I'm just saying. I need a little help on the offensive end. I want to give my boy a little bit of a look. I don't blame you for saying that because he's definitely been a standout player this year. And he's definitely taken over the G League by storm because of the fact that he's a strong defensive player. And the fact is the Lakers need another strong defensive player. And I think with their their team situation right now, with the fact that they, they have a lot of guys who – can't get moved at the deadline and they don't have a lot of capital either. Um, you know, you could argue that Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn are the only players that they could actually move. I think this would be wise for them to look at the G league and see if they can find some really good prospects. And I think Mason Jones is a solid prospect for them. Like you said earlier, he doesn't have a single digit game, a single digit scoring game for the South Bay Lakers this year. And this is a South Bay Lakers team that actually has a lot of talent on it. Uh, Cam Oliver has been solid this year for the South Bay Lakers. Jay Huff as well. He was a great player coming out of Virginia, a solid forward coming out of Virginia. Uh, he's He's been really able to translate his play from college over to the G League. So I'm definitely interested to see if the Lakers capitalize on the amount of talent that they have on their G League team. I think Mason Jones is definitely going to be a name that we see in the NBA sooner rather than later. My first player is Jalen Johnson, and he's averaging 19.5 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.4 steals, and 1.3 blocks in 15 G League games this season. He has some solid ball handling skills. He's a great defender, and he does a great job at crashing the boards for the Skyhawks. And he actually had a 23-rebound game for the Skyhawks earlier in the season. Johnson shot 44% from three coming out of Duke, but he only attempted 18, 18 total threes. And now he's taking more threes as he is increasing his attempts from 1.4 a game at Duke to four attempts a game with the College Park Skyhawks. And he's definitely trying to work on becoming a solid three-point shooter. And I think the, the Atlanta Hawks need a spark off the bench. And they maybe need another scoring threat like Jalen Johnson. And I think Johnson can do that for this team. Yeah, I think the interesting part when you bring up Atlanta is the fact that they're going so much of an influxuation, right? The move of Cam Reddish was already kind of not odd because we kind of saw it coming. He, they were going to have to do it. Otherwise, they were probably going to have to pay him this summer. And I don't think 
anybody could really figure out where the money was going to come from without having to move them for somebody else that they just recently paid. You also look at the fact that John Collins has been shopped. They're in a really interesting situation in terms of their current roster and what they plan on doing forward because after going so deep in the playoffs last season, we all know that Trey Young at the lead guard spot does not want to take any steps back in terms of being a competitive team in the East, despite what the record looks like right now. So I think Jalen Johnson is an interesting player. I don't see any significant call-ups for the, for the Atlanta Hawks this season. I think that this is a team we should watch out for in the second half of the year, though, because of the fact that just like last season, they have the chance to really turn their turn things around after the All-Star break and after the trade deadline. We saw that last year, and we thought it had a lot to do with the coaching change. But I think it's going to have a lot more to do with them establishing chemistry. They have so much talent across the board that I think it's still, even now, when you talk about some of the injuries they've had on their team, it's still about kind of putting guys in the right positions to be able to work together. Jalen, nonetheless, though, you talk about him as uh, a guy who's starting to work on his three-point shot. I think that's one of the biggest things that you have to focus on when you talk about a guy like him at his size, right? He got Ben Simmons and like Grant Hill at his peak level comparisons, which are a bit hyperbolic. Let's just throw that out there. Definitely above uh, the pay grade that I think he's shown off so far this season. But I think the ability to handle the ball, standing at 6'10", being able to facilitate the way he is, being able to be a strong rebounder. These are all qualities that are that make up a solid rotational player. So even if Jalen doesn't get a call up this year, um, and remember, it doesn't have to be specifically from Atlanta either. There's a couple of young squads that can definitely use a high energy guy like Jalen Johnson. Going to be interesting to see what people do when it comes to him because of the fact that I think moving forward, I mean, obviously he's under draft rights with Atlanta, but I think somebody might see something in him where somebody might value him for more than just being, you know, a G League a G league runner. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And I think he's definitely coming on strong as well as a lob threat um, in some of the games I've watched with the college park Skyhawks. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see as well. I, I think he's just, he, he definitely had that Ben Simmons comparison as a guy who could bring the ball up the floor, great defender coming out of college, uh, great wingspan as well. I think that it's going to be interesting to see, how well he translates to the NBA because Nate McMillan has actually gotten a lot of criticism for not playing Jalen Johnson early in the season. So I think Jalen Johnson just needed to take that time in the G League to prove himself and to almost prove his worth, to prove that he was a first-round pick and to kind of solidify how great he was coming out of college and, and to solidify that potential that he had coming out of college. Yeah, I was going mean, to the only thing I was going to piggyback on with that one is just you got to remember he was such an enigma coming out of college, too, because of the amount of games that he played at Duke. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, you talk about him being a solid upside defensive player. We didn't really see it, but it was one of those things that was more so based off upside. You mentioned his wingspan. That's one of those dead giveaways where it's like he could be a plus defender in the league. It was one of those situations where you could see a couple of five plus assist games. And I think the nine or 11, it was like nine to 11 games he did play for Duke. He showed off some solid passing ability and things like that. And you mentioned the Nate McMillan thing. That's what I mean when I say that another team might end up capitalizing off it instead because Nate McMillan, Trey Young, they're definitely in the position of wanting to try to win now. Jalen Johnson is a guy who's still developing. He might be getting slack. He might, he might get, be getting flack, excuse me, for not playing him. But if he doesn't play them, I think somebody's going to want to find out what he's really made of on the NBA level. So moving on to our second unsung hoopers in this episode, Jalen, who's the second unsung hooper you want to talk about? Yes, sir. So this is kind of a perfect segue because I'm going to stick with the College Park Skyhawks on this one. And I'm going to go with Justin Tillman um, forward for them. And he comes out of VCU and he's, I mean, you want to talk about being a baller, dude. Justin Tillman, 24.4 points per game, 11.2 rebounds a game. And if you go through some of his shooting, uh, shooting nights for him, I mean, another another bucket getter type of player. Now, maybe not on the same level as someone like there's a certain, there's certain guys that we're going to list off that have got some crazy, crazy numbers. But again, another guy who has not had a single digit uh, point of uh, point scoring total this entire season, the lowest he's had is 10 points. And outside of that, he's got one, two, three, four, five, five, uh, 30 point games. And at least 
I want to say of I want to say five to six games of at least 25 or more. So I mean, when you put all of that together, I mean, just another guy who fills up the stat sheet. And honestly, Ryan, I want to talk about something I think is really intriguing too is the rebounding. We were talking about this with Jalen Johnson a little bit in terms of talking about how he could translate as a high energy guy. Um, my dude Justin Tillman just grabbed 23 boards against Delaware. 16 coming on the defensive end, but seven coming on the offensive end. Same thing when they played, um, same thing when they played against the 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 Long Island Nets. Seven offensive rebounds, nine defensive rebounds. Like that kind of high energy defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding. That's the kind of thing that a lot of teams need. I think it's like it's it's one of those commodities that I don't think teams are willing to pay a high price for. But it's one of those things that goes very underrated in terms of creating extra possessions, having a competitive uh, edge in terms of being on the glass and simply being in a situation where kind of like football controlling the clock too, right? Um, So I think that he's an interesting player in terms of how dynamic he is on the glass and College Park got them some hoopers, right? Like one of the guys that you actually had to take off your list was Cat Barber, who only played in the showcase, but he was a guy who would probably kill on this team as a part of them. So, I mean, it's really an interesting setup. It's really unfair. And it says somebody who's a pseudo fan of Atlanta. It's really how unfair, how from top to bottom, the Hawks have this crazy amount of talent that seeps down to their G League team, right? Sharif Cooper is another guy who we're probably not going to talk about today, but is really solid. Maybe not putting up gaudy statistics like we might have expected. I think my preseason pick for MVP in the G League was him. I think it was him versus Paul Reed in my mind, and I went with Sharif, and that isn't looking too great right now. But the College Park Skyhawks, Skyhawks are really good right now. They look really good, and um, hopefully their mainstay team can turn the season around. I still got a bet going on with this whole my three teams making the playoffs thing, so I need need them to kind of figure this thing out. I think Tillman's a guy that can easily average 20 and 20 in the G League because I think with, the, with his ability to – crash the boards as effectively as he can. Not to mention, you pair that with Jalen Johnson, who's also been crashing the boards effectively for College Park. That is a front court duo that is menacing on the boards. And I think when you talk about the fact that he only is continuing to get better, the upside of this team, this College Park Skyhawks team in general, is incredible. And I'm interested to see who gets called up next. We're going to be talking about that a lot in this episode because the amount of guys from the G League that get called up is pretty frequent. And there are actually, I'm forgetting the number of total call-ups so far, but I think there's anywhere between 150, uh, like 150 G League call-ups so far this season. And that number can easily increase. And I'm very interested to see who is going to be next up. I think... Tillman is it has a case right now that he could be next up. The second unsung hooper that I want to talk about is Gabe York, and he plays for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And he's averaging 20.6 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.3 steals in 18 G League games. And the Mad Ants are actually his third different G League team. He previously played for the Lakeland Magic and the Erie Bayhawks. Uh, He also spent a couple of years playing overseas. He's a player who is not afraid to shoot the ball. He averages 16.6 attempts from the field and 10.4 attempts from from three. He does most of his shooting from beyond the arc. He's actually averaging 40% from three. There were two games that stood out to me so far this season, Jalen. And the first was the G League showcase game against the Wisconsin Herd, where he put up 36 points and shot nine of 15 from three. And he did this with 26 minutes coming off the bench. So I think that was very impressive. But what was even more impressive was his other game against the Maine Celtics, where on January 27th, he put up 45 points on 14 of 26 shooting from the field, and he also hit six threes. I think Gabe York is a player that's not only capable of scoring, but he can do it so effectively that he's becoming one of the strongest shooters in the G League. I mean, I think the biggest thing for Gabe York, and I brought his name up a couple of times when we were trying to bring up, when we were trying to figure out what names we wanted to talk about today. And it was because of the fact that shooters going to shoot, bro. I mean, in this league, you look across the league, right? Tyler Hero got uh, got his buzz. 
during the uh the NBA bubble a couple seasons ago for just kind of letting it rip. Same thing with some of the guys. Some of the guys on the Heat right now across the board outside of Tyler, right? Duncan Robinson, Max Strews. And further on across the league, the guys who are shooting the three at a high volume and doing so at a good rate, those are the guys who are not only getting legitimate minutes, but those are the guys that are getting legitimate contracts as well. So, I mean, the fact that Gabe York is letting it fly, I mean, I'm just looking at his regular season statistics right now, and the dude only has one, he only has two games, excuse me, where he took less than double-digit, like double-digit three-point attempts. That that was nine, and uh, nine, and the other one was seven, insanely enough. I mean, even then, you're talking about them playing against, again, Long Island Nets. They're they're getting uh, attacked this season, it seems like. But yeah, there, he had back-to-back games against Long Island where he had just barely under 10, but still, still was letting it fly. He had, a, I mean, there's the one against uh, the Raptors 905 where he had uh, 17, and most recently against Maine, uh, 17 three-point attempts in that game you were talking about where he dropped 45. I mean, he just lets it fly, bro. We're going to talk about a lot of chuckers in this G League um, episode as well, and that's no disrespect to them. We're not saying chuckers as in you're throwing a bricks. It's just guys that love to get to the rim, loves to look guys that love to get the ball up and guys that love to see the scoreboard blink every time they put the ball in the basket. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that not everybody we list off deserves a call up, right? Because we have to talk about situational basketball and, of course, things like the buyout market and the NBA trade deadline coming up. There's going to be certain situations where all of these guys aren't going to be able to play on the NBA level this season. But these are a lot of guys that are carving their name out at the NBA G League level, and that shouldn't get slept on either. I think it's about carving out a legacy too, because I think with the increasing attention that the G League is getting, I think people are going to become more aware of players like Tillman, players like Jalen Johnson, players like Gabe York, and a bunch of other players that we're going to talk about today. So I think that's also something interesting to point out as well. Jalen, let's talk about our third unsung hooper for this episode. Who is the third unsung hooper for you? Yeah, man. So I was banging the table for this guy during our planning session because of the fact that it was like, if you ain't going to pick him, I'm going to pick him. So something's going to have to happen. And that's Terry Larrier for the Wisconsin Herd. This guy has been really interesting so for me i've got to be honest right the one of the biggest things that i've been trying to focus on is mainly the the regular season games only 10 regular season games for the wisconsin herd so far this season and i mean he's just a guy that when he gets hot he can do it in a hurry like they played maine earlier this year earlier this season excuse me he dropped 42 points on 22 attempts 12 of 22 from the floor he can really get up there. Now, the, the intriguing part about him is when he's hot, he's hot. But when he's not, he's really, really low. And to a certain extent, he could even come off as a little disengaged. This is no disrespect, but I want to explain why I say it that way. In the game where he dropped 23 in the regular season opener, he had nine shot, he, he made nine shots on 23 attempts. On the game where he made the season high 42 points, he had 12, he made 12 shots on 20, 22 attempts. Now, let's go from those two games, and let's go through the next couple of games. He had six points on 12 shots, 16 points on 13 shots, 10 points on four shots, 20 on 12, 8 on 9, 11 on 9, 11 on 8, and most recently, 10 on 14. Now, what's the common theme about those first couple, those first two games and every other game since? Those first two games, he cracked 20 attempts both times. In every game since then, he's only cracked double digits four times in that time frame. Four times in the next eight games after that. And even then, the point totals are a little bit low. That has a little bit more to do with some some of the playing time. Some of that is skewed. Like here and there, he has 11 minutes, 15 minutes. So the playing time is skewed, and I will give that its own advantage. But I just want to see Terry Larrier be more aggressive because when he is aggressive, he's probably one of the most dangerous scorers in the G League. Clip that, fool. Like, that's what that is. He is one of those dudes. I genuinely believe that Der- Terry Larrier, when he is aggressive on the offensive end and he lets that joker fly, and he's going to put some posters on folks too because he's no slouch as an athlete, 6'7", 185 pounds, and will dunk on you. This guy, when he is aggressive downhill, especially, 
I mean, <laughs> he is dangerous around the basket. I would, I just want to see him play with more pace. I have to agree with you in that sense, because I think when he takes more chances, when he takes more risks on the court, it all it almost always pays off for him. So I'm, I'm very interested to see it, not only if he continues to be aggressive on the court, I'm very interested to see if, if it continues to benefit him as much as it has been. Because when we, when we talk about aggressive players, I want to talk about Kyrie Walker for the Capital City Go-Go. And he's averaging 12.9 points per game for Capital City so far. He's a solid ball handler for this team. Great playmaker. Walker has solid court vision as well, which allows his playmaking ability to excel. And I want to tie it back to your player that you just talked about, uh, Terry Larrier, because as much as he's been aggressive so far, Kyrie Walker has also been aggressive as well. He's not afraid to drive in the paint. And he always finds ways to get open so that he can attack in the lane. And he recently dropped 20 points on 7-9 shooting from the field, and the win over the G League Ignite team is actually his second 20-plus point game this season. Um, and I think this is a player in Kyrie Walker that that in Kyrie Walker that has so much potential as a scorer, and we're seeing flashes of how great he can be as a force in the paint. But it's just interesting because I think both players are really aggressive scorers. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be a common theme for guys in the G League is that they're building out specialists down there. And I think that's the new wave in the NBA anyway. And um, actually, I want to get your, your thoughts on that because I think that's its own intriguing point when you talk about what the G League's purpose is, right? Like, it's not just a developmental league with a bunch of guys keeping themselves warm so the NBA can call them up. Like, these are guys that are legitimately shaping their skills in a way where whether it's on the NBA level, whether it's overseas, whatever the circumstances is, they are carving themselves out into being legitimate specialists. You have guys who, yes, there's two-way players, but that in its own right is becoming its own version of a specialization, a guy who can average 10, 5, and 5 with a steal and a block a game. Like, that's its own version of a specialist nowadays. The stretch four, the primary uh, setup guy is a table setter who averages seven-plus assists a game. Like, that's one of those things that we're starting to see. And although, yes, I understand in the G League, the scorer is the more favorite of uh, favorited the more favored i should say archetype there are a lot of different guys who are cutting their teeth down there via some of these specializations three-point shooting was one of the ones we talked about earlier so like i want to get your thoughts on that because i think that's kind of important when we when we highlight these unsung hoopers is what kind of archetype these guys fall into and how that translates to the next level like what are your thoughts on the on the NBA G League's method or the NBA G League's inadvertent way of creating these specialty guys that are now doing things on the next level? I think it just depends on the team's needs. And it's interesting because I think if a team needs a sharpshooter, they can go in and find one of the best sharpshooters in the G League. If they need a strong defender, they can go into the G League pool and see you know who the strongest defenders are in the G League. If they need a playmaker or a stretch four, same thing. They can go to the G League and they can find who can fit the role best. And I think that's the interesting thing because I don't know how much more developing the G League has to do with their players. I think it's more just preparing them for the NBA and getting them ready for getting them essentially ready for the league. And I think that's really interesting too because I think we think about how far the G League has come where, you know, it was the D League at one point. It was the the developmental league for the NBA. Now it's actually helping the players out in carving out a path even further for themselves to get to the league. Like with this season, with the call-ups, it's so interesting because almost half of NBA rosters are G League players. Even guys who were in the G League you know, five, six, seven years ago are full-time NBA starters now. So I think it's just a testament to how far the G League has come. And I expect more players to kind of get that opportunity where they start in the in the G League and in a couple of years, they end up becoming a full-time starter. I think that's really what's been benefiting the G League is the credibility that the NBA players have possessed 
now that they've really been able to get a chance in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think just to kind of like piggyback off some of the stuff that you said, the idea that the NBA can now almost in a sense, right? It was one thing to be able to look into this pool of players and say, who's performing the best and how can we grab them up in order to kind of help us during this stretch? And now looking at it from an aspect of being able to look into this pool of players and say, who are guys who legitimately will fit our scheme and be able to shape out a long-term role for themselves, right? And we can pick out guys now that are able to do this, right? Max Struess is getting compared to Duncan Robinson in the sense that they're both shooting at a high clip from three-point land. But guess what? Max Struess isn't making Duncan Robinson money. Now the Miami Heat have to ask themselves, do you elevate Max Struess and try to move on from Duncan Robinson to get a more productive player in a different role because you're getting the same production at a cheaper price? Now that's a that's a dichotomy you have to actually face. You talk about Gary Payton II. Before the season, I always, I always harp on this. I probably say this way too much. But before the season started, it was Gary Payton II being called up or it was the Golden State Warriors going with Avery Bradley. What is Avery Bradley doing for the Lakers? Don't worry, I'll wait. Exactly. Because of the fact that Gary Payton fits a defensive mindset that they need, and he has been able to do it at a hungrier, more committed level than Avery Bradley has been able to provide for the Lakers, who also are in need of a defensive identity. So, you look at that, and even with the Lakers, as much as I harp on them, right? Stanley Johnson is a guy who's a former top lottery pick, spent some time in the G League, and now has been called up as a guy who's been able to become a bit of a defensive stopper. Not really known for being a defensive guy. Maybe he has the length, maybe the athleticism to carve himself out into being a wing defender, but not somebody that until recently really shaped himself into being a legitimate defender out on the perimeter. So this idea of being able to now go into the G League and pick guys out and say, this guy legit fits my roster, and a 10-day a might be the least of what I can give this dude. I think that is so interesting and so fascinating because now I think the G League not only is putting college on notice, but Ryan, I dare say that the G League might be putting the NBA on notice in its own right in the sense that Players getting these big contracts are going to have to start watching out for the G League guys who might be able to come up and make some noise and not be nearly as much of a hassle when it comes to cap construction. Just something to think about. I think the NBA, you know, I, I think the NBA definitely should owe a debt of gratitude to the G League because I think with, I'll say like Fred Van Vliet, for example, because you know, Fred Van Vliet was a guy who went undrafted coming out of Wichita State, spent a couple of years in the G League. Now he's up for being an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam, another guy coming from the G League, possibly, and he was he's a former all-star. You know, Max Struess, who spent some time in the G League, showed out in the summer league, now is a, a key bench player for the Miami Heat. It's players like like those three players that give some perspective to how good the G league has become. And I think that's really interesting. And I'm glad we got to talk about that portion of it because like I mentioned earlier, I think I'm not sure how much more developing the G league has to do. It's more like getting them ready for the NBA at this point. So I think what's so interesting is that the G league has provided another route for younger basketball players to make it to the NBA. And that's what's been so special because, you know, it seems like the route has either been college or overseas. G League is is another route now. Mm. So I think that's what's what a lot of young basketball players could consider as well. And something I want to piggyback off of, because you you mentioned Kyrie Walker, like that's a perfect example of doing it in an unconventional route while still getting to the place that you need to go. Like Kyrie is in a situation where like he didn't go to college. And he also didn't play overseas either, right? You know what I mean? And he's in a circumstance where although maybe that might have hurt his overall development, because I think this is a guy who could be in the NBA had he went the proper route. But I still think that the route he went shouldn't be knocked. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't the G League Ignite route. This isn't even the I went overseas and then decided to come over 
route. This is simply, I put my name in the hat that I still think I can be an NBA caliber player. And I want to be in this space where arguably, despite all of the over overseas play, I think the G League is starting to develop itself into the second best league in terms of basketball across the world. And if he cannot go to college, not go overseas, and still put his name in the hat to be a part of one of the top two, top three leagues that basketball has to offer, I think that only opens a further avenue for just the G League in general as almost diversifying itself as not only just a developmental league, like you mentioned, for the the NBA in terms of preparing guys for that, but almost being able to act as a standalone league in its own right. Like I said, in terms of be, having that argument to say they might even just be the second best league in terms of basketball, not the best umbrella league, the best, the second best league in basketball. So, I mean, that's just a really interesting matter to focus on. And like I said, you, you brought up Kyrie Walker. He's a perfect example of somebody who used the G League without having to jump through all the hoops of the Ignite program and other things like that to get there. And you could use the example of the G League Ignite team because that's a route that can be used to be the quickest way to the NBA. But, you know, you have other guys who try out for teams. Like I know the G League has tryouts every single year before the season starts. And I want to highlight a player that actually took advantage of the local tryouts, Craig Randall II. Mm -hmm. Craig Randall II is a player that utilized the local tryouts and tried out for the Long Island Nets. And I mean, look at him now because he's averaging 20.6 points per game in 26 games in the G League so far. Um, Randall coming out of UT Martin joined the Nets, like I said, out of a local tryout, and he's made his impact as a scorer. And he's actually one of the best scorers in the entire G League right now. He has a bunch of 20 plus point games under his belt this season, solid three point shooter. Leads the G League in three-pointers made. Also does a lot of his scoring by driving to the paint. Definitely has the potential to be a solid two-way player. He's averaging just over a steal a game, so we've seen flashes of his defensive potential as well. And I think there's a chance that Randall can receive a two-way contract with the Nets if he continues to play well. But I think that's a point, too, because players can take advantage of the local tryouts to make a name for themselves in the G league. So that's another route that we haven't even talked about yet. And a lot of players have taken advantage of it and made good use of it. Mm -hmm. And Ryan, I think the great point about you bringing up Craig Randall, right? Another guy, you know, in terms of pounding the table for this was a a guy that I think we actually agreed on almost too quickly. I think we both kind of just saw it and was just like, this dude's a beast, but you mentioned the idea of taking advantage of the local tryouts right everybody makes jokes of like the ymca runs that's essentially this is essentially its version of trying out for varsity at high school right in terms of going into this environment we're talking about a guy in craig randall who basically came off the street and is 0.1 points away from being second in the g league in scoring behind carson edwards who went to purdue and came out of the draft as a top-level scorer, right? And then you talk about Mason Jones, a guy who I mentioned earlier, he leads the league in scoring at 28 points per game. So he's in a situation where he came off the street and is one of the best scorers in the G League so far this season. He's also one of the best three-point shooters so far this season because he's made 57 threes this, this season. The next highest is Matt Ryan for Greensboro that he he has 42. I mean, so not only is he, I mean, he's knocking him down at a crazy clip. Now, one of the things you haven't mentioned about him yet, I'm going to let you explain that is Craig's a bit of a chucker. We talked about this a little bit earlier. We talked about this a little bit earlier about some of the guys that we have on our list. Craig is a bit of a chucker, but he's knocking him down. He's knocking him down. And that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned it beforehand. We don't even get into that idea of like the guys who, when like who who not not we're not even talking about going undrafted we're talking about guys simply coming in for tryouts and making names for themselves craig randall man representation of again another reason why i think the g league is starting to carve its own lane into not being an umbrella league anymore but almost being its own league all up separate 
from the NBA in a way. I think the idea that the G League is carving out its own name is so great because it's it shows us how far the G League has come. Not to mention, like, there's a lot of players in the G League that we haven't talked about and we might not get to in this episode, but we'll, but we'll get to uh, when we do part two of the Unsung Hoopers episode in March. I think what's, what's, what's been really interesting to see is just the amount of players that we saw, you know, watching basketball in the past, like, five, ten years. You know, you see guys like Mario Chalmers in there and Denzel Valentine, guys who played in the NBA. Mm. And, you know, you also look at guys like Lance Stevenson, another guy who's been playing in the NBA. The interesting thing about the G League, and I think it's so beneficial too, the diversity. Yeah, you have guys coming from the NCAA, former NBA players, players who shined overseas. And, I mean, if you talk about the NCAA, we'll break that down even further. D1 players, mid-major players, TBT guys. Yeah, TBT guys, you know, D2 guys, D3 guys. Mm -hmm. It's a pool of diversity in the basketball community because it's – you get this, you get players from all walks of life, essentially. I think that's so interesting. And, and I know that, you know, it'll only continue to grow with the G League expanding even more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, real quick, just because um, we got to get back on track a little bit, but I don't want to break away from this conversation too much in terms of like the G League's impact, because I think that's so important when talking about unsung hoopers and we probably should start doing this a little bit more when we talk about the women's episodes too because of this idea that like the nba is the center of the universe when it comes to the basketball community but there are so many diverse branches under the nba umbrella that have some of the most talented athletes in the world and because of all the focus on the mainstream sport that is NBA basketball, some of these other players are kind of, you know, outshined in a way. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things that I want to continue to stick on, but um, going back to our top five guys, my fourth guy that I had was um, again, found a way to pick a, uh, a player that is teammates with a player of Ryan's talking about Jordan Goodwin for the capital city go-go. And this is a little bit of cheat code, a little bit of cheat code. I have to explain why. Me and Ryan were high on Jordan Goodwin out of St. Louis last year. When we were talking about the Bill, when we were talking about the Billikens last year, this was the guy that we zeroed in on as being the one that could be the X factor for them to be able to make a potential run. Now that didn't end up happening, but he was the guy. So throughout the regular season, he's averaged 13.3 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 4.6 assists. So you're thinking like, okay, he hasn't dropped crazy numbers in comparison to some of the other guys that we've listed. But if you read out some of the games that he's had, 23 points recently against the Raptors 905. Um, earlier in the season, he had 20 points, um, 22 points, excuse me, against the Greensboro Swarm. Starters started off the season really well with 14, then 18, then 14 again. The thing is that just like when he goes quiet, he goes quiet. There's a handful of single-digit games in here, six, five, nine, and uh, two. He recently had two against the Westchester Knicks. So his most recent game against the Raptors 905 is the one I want to zero in on, 23 points, um, three of four from three, six, uh, six defensive rebounds, eight rebounds in total, 10 assists, three steals, one block, only one turnover. So – That's what I think is like the, of course, you can always say that's the peak version of them. But I think Jordan Goodwin can be a guy who can score 15 plus points a night, be somewhere in the ballpark of about eight rebounds and somewhere in the ballpark of about five plus assists while taking care of the ball. One of the things, Ryan, I think you were the one who brought this point up when we talked about him last year was he's such a smart, efficient player, right? There's such thing as being a, efficient player off of things like shooting luck or just having the hot hand for a couple of games or something like that. But he's just an intelligent, smart team player that can also put the ball in a basket when you need him to. So I think it's going to come down to him just kind of getting into his bag. Um, I like Capital City. Now I'm a little biased being that we are in the area, but 
I like this Capital City Go-Go team so far this season. And, I mean, they look pretty good. Six and four so far on the year. Taking down the Raptors 905 is no feet to sleep on either. The Raptors 905 are pretty good their own in their own right at nine and three. Um, I know we don't do team-specific coverage in terms of the G League. But this is a team that I think, especially from a local aspect, I think we definitely want to keep an eye out on just because they have a couple of interesting guys who, when you talk about like the all G League teams, they I think we might have one or two guys who might by the end of the year be able to crack the list and be on that. I think it's I think there's two all G League teams. Um, I don't know, first and a second team. I think the Capital City might be able to get at least one player on one of those two teams. I think the one thing, the one, the one other thing I mentioned with Jordan Goodwin coming out of St. Louis, he's a double double machine. It seemed like every night he was averaging 15 and 10 uh, for St. Louis in the 2020 2021 season for uh, in the NCAA. But I think when you think about his play style, I, I think he has a very high basketball IQ. He just has a good eye for the ball. Um, you know, I think that it's really it's really interesting to see how far he will grow because I think in a in a crowded front court for Capital City, he's getting a lot of time to shine. And I think that's that's what's been so beneficial for him in his entire career so far, his entire G League career so far. And I just think he's only going to get better. And Capital City, another talented team with a lot of talented players. You know, you talk about Kyrie Walker already, Pat Spencer, a guy who was a former lacrosse player, and now he's, uh, you know, balling out for the Capital City Go-Go. Mm-hmm. There are so many players that we get to talk about with this team that that I think there's a lot of players that can make a case for themselves being on the all-G League teams. It's going to be so interesting if Gord, uh, if, uh, if a good win continues to play like this. And I'm interested to see if he can – get that double-double potential up as well because we've seen flashes of that so far with Capital City. Agreed. I definitely agree. I mean, I think I want to go back to our conversation briefly because I know we're about to come up on our last guy, so I kind of want to extend this a little bit in terms of just, like, really harping on the G League's diversity. Like, you mentioned it earlier, like, the the walks of life that some of these guys come from. And it's another one of those things where it's really intriguing when you talk about the build of these rosters, these are all guys who, in a sense, are thrown together, right? You know, this is this is these these G League teams are what NBA teams look like after the trade deadline, right? And even to a certain extent, that's not even fully true because you know, NBA teams are not trading full rosters at the NBA trade deadline. So these are guys getting thrown together. At the beginning of the season, they get opportunities with like preseason games or like the G League showcase here and there to kind of build chemistry up. But in reality, they're kind of just learning each other as they go. So for a lot of these guys to be firing on all cylinders in this way, I think it's another thing that makes them so versatile as individuals because it's going to make their game that much easier to translate at the next level, if you're able to carve out a role, a role, right, specifically within the G League as a part of a mashed together group, being able to translate that carved role into a group that has much more continuity, much more of an establishment, and of course, you mentioned things like NBA veterans or just simply opportunity if you're like being called up to a team like the, the OKC Thunder or like the Detroit Pistons who are kind of just looking for players to be productive for them. Again, that specialization role carved out at the G League level puts you in a position to be just as ready as any player coming out of college because, yes, you're thrown together in college filled with guys that are from different states and different countries from a recruiting standpoint. But you're not in an NBA system on top of that, right? You're lucky if you play for a college team that runs down pick and rolls and different things like that, that you actually can be able to adjust your game to. So I I just think it's really interesting, bro. I I know I'm kind of going off a tangent to a certain extent, but I just think that it's so intriguing. And that's one of those things where 
it always comes back to the G League Ignite, right? The G League Ignite is one of those programs where it's supposed to front and center show us how this developmental system can potentially impact draft stock. Well, I think on a more general level, the G League as a whole shows us the impact that players developing under that under that umbrella how they can be as players on a more professional level and kind of like like gain traction over time into putting themselves into the best version of being a pro as possible they used to say that going to college for 3 to 4 years was the best way to get yourself ready for the NBA this was in the Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley era and stuff like that. But to be able to do something similar like that at a younger age within a more defined umbrella, it's just so interesting, bro. Like I said, I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of chill out on it, but it's one of those things where it's just it's just so interesting. The G League, it's one of those leagues that's growing on me. I think I'm I'm starting to get more and more excited about the fact that we're talking about this more um throughout the season. That's definitely something that we promised for season three was more G League coverage. And we're definitely, we definitely want to take that opportunity to cover a lot of the players and a lot of the teams because there are some great players that just aren't getting enough attention in the G League. So I think that it's definitely great that we could do an Unsung Hooper series that focuses on specific leagues, specific, uh, you know, or yeah, specific leagues that you know each player each team gets to gets their gets their uh ability to shine the spotlight but jalen let's move on to our fifth and final unsung hooper who is your fifth and final unsung hooper so my fifth guy last guy in the in the in the bout here is uh dacian nicks and top five score in the g league um so far this season at 26.3 points per game 6.7 rebounds 7.4 assists and Ryan, this is a guy who we have who we have used as an interesting measuring stick for the first season of the G League Ignite last year. Because if you remember, when we always go down the rundown, it's Jalen Green went two, but wasn't he probably always gonna go somewhere between one and two? Right? He was gonna it was gonna be one of those. You talk about Jonathan Kaminga, yeah, he slipped by a pick, but like he still was in the lottery, which was anticipated. Isaiah Todd was the first pick of the second round, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's Deja Nix who went undrafted. Well, despite being probably the low bar or one of the low bars of last season for the G League Night team in terms of its reflection within the NBA draft, Deja Nix is killing it in the G League. So I don't know if that has something to do with just the circumstances he was was within. Of course, remember Jared Jack was getting a lot of minutes um, during that time. They were talking about Dacia Nix maybe not being in the best physical shape. And uh, that also had a little bit to do with the pandemic. That is self-discipline, but still that did have a bit to do with the, uh, the, the pandemic as well. But for the Rio Grande Valley Ripers, like he's, he is filling it up, dude. Like there's no other way to kind of like spell it out. You talk about his season so far, another guy who hasn't had a single single digit game so far only has like one game that um is less than 20 points and he's got a couple of 30 point games in here. I think he's put himself in a light where even if you have doubts about the NBA G League because of maybe using Dacian Nix as a potential example. I still think that the G League Ignite team prepared him enough for him to be able to then focus on his on his body, right? Also focus on his mental. This is a non-COVID-based season, so that also does help a lot. And with the right tutelage under the G League Ignite, we'll still be able to take that and translate it to the G League, the G League season this year. So I'm I'm starting to kind of come around on the G League Ignite team. Um, I had my doubts, and of course, we still need to see how the rest of this season ends with uh, with the handful of guys that they have. But I'm starting to come around with the G League Ignite team because if you look at the handful of guys that came out of that group, Isaiah Todd's playing well for Capital City Go-Go as well. And you talk about Dacian, obviously Jalen has been 
okay for the Rockets, I would say. I think that's a bit of a, a, a tough translation, but I would say that has more to do with the team. Um, and Cade Cunningham, I mean, uh, Cade Cunningham is one of those guys who I think when you compare him and Jalen Green now, I mean, you know, I think Jalen was always going to go second. And I don't think the G League Ignite team had too much impact on that. So it's one of those things where I think when you look at it, it's just going to be an interesting thing to see for the rest of the season for Nation. And I just like this G League season, bro. I mean, that's the easiest way for me to kind of wrap things up on my end in terms of my my top five. It's just like I'm really enjoying this season to the point that like I'm rambling as a sense that I know I could talk about this league all day. Like this could almost be its own podcast umbrella by itself in terms of like we talk about the NBA, we talk about college basketball, but like the G League, I'm going to kind of pose this to the audience to a certain extent. Can you guys find me like a G League podcast and drop that in the comments at some point? Um, I found a lot of G League pages. Shout out to homie Jeffrey. Shout out to homie Sahil. But I really want to start getting more perspective on the G League from people who cover it on a regular basis. And those guys do it up front and center and they do it from a social media standpoint. But I want to start talking to people who really cover, really talk about these guys on a day to day basis and kind of pick their brains about things as well um because it's its own league bro the g league's its own league now bro i feel like that's a safe bet i want to read something that dacian nicks actually said this is courtesy of the g league tv page on instagram okay dacian nicks said the biggest steal of the draft wasn't even drafted Mm. and he's referring to himself and the start that you know he's had so far this G League season. Mm. Let's talk about the fact that this Rio Grande Vipers team, one of the most talented teams of young stars, and I think when you talk about not only Deisha Nix, Josh Christopher as well, spent a lot of time uh, with the with the uh, the, the uh, Rio Grande Vipers team. Mm. The re- yeah, the Rio, Grande, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers team. You also talk about veterans on this team like Gerald Green looking to kind of get his way back into the NBA as well. Mm. Even going back to last season, we hyped this team up. Kevin Porter Jr. and Kenya Martin Jr. were two of the best players in the G League, and it seemed like only a matter of time that they would find themselves in the NBA. Spoiler alert, they're in the NBA right now. <laughs> so I think it's only a matter of time before – Players like Dacian Nix and Josh Christopher find themselves in the NBA. I think with Nix, it's so interesting because, yes, we do use him as the measuring stick for the success uh, of the G League, of the G League Ignite team. But at the same time, I don't think he got enough time on the G League to on, on the G League Ignite team for him to make a case to for him to really make a case for himself. So I think that this this season he was able to go to the Vipers and he's having a great season so far. And I think he's making a case for himself now that he deserves a shot at the NBA. So I think it's only a matter of time that he finds himself on an NBA roster. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a call up essentially to the Rockets because the Rockets as a as a rebuilding team, they could always use young players. You know, they can always use young players that have you know, a lot of potential. Dacian Nix is a guy that has a lot of potential as a scorer. I'm very interested to see where he goes in his, in his young career, because the G league is doing him. Uh, it, it is the G league is, is helping him out tremendously with building a case for him to get to the league. The last player I want to talk about the last unsung Hooper I want to talk about is Jaden Springer. And he plays for the Delaware blue coats. He's averaging 15 points a game, 15.4 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 2.2 steals a game. And I want to circle back to that steals average in a second. But Jane Springer is, you know, a solid combo guard coming out of Tennessee. He's really made a name for himself. Another player that's made a name for himself in the G League so far. And, you know, we talk about the G League season at its, at, at its start Jalen the first three games that he had the start of the actual G League season on January 5th 
25 points on January 14th against the Maine Celtics. 22 points against the Grand Rapids Gold on January 16th. And January 17th, he dropped 24 points against the Grand Rapids Gold. He shot very efficiently in all three of those games as well. 56.3% from the field against the Celtics. 50% in the first game against the Grand Rapids Gold. And then in the second game, he shot 57.9% from the field. I want to go. I want to go now to the uh, the steals average. Two point two steals a game. Jaden Springer is a really pesky defender, and there was a stretch uh, uh, in his G League career. In seven games, he was averaging three point four steals a game. Now, the other thing also to point out, he has one game in the G League season where he has zero steals. He has in every game that he's played in, except for one except for the one game against the Grand Rapids Celtics in their, or in, against the Grand Rapids Gold in their second matchup, he's had at least one steal a game. Multiple games with five steals a game. So I think this is a guy, this is a player in Jaden Springer. He's, he's a player that cuts off passing lanes really well. He has a good eye for the ball and trying to create turnovers. I think it's really interesting that he is another pesky defender that can also put up 20-plus points a game. And I, I think he does it so easily as a combo guard. And he's only 19 years old, by the way. He has tremendous upside as a defender. But his offensive ability should not be discounted for because, like I said earlier, this is a guy that can put up 20 points a game, but he can also put up five steals a game. He has that capability. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to say on Jaden Springer just out of the mere fact that I felt like we saw certain things coming with him out of Tennessee, right? Like, I thought that the biggest thing for him was that it was just interesting how much he fell, but I think that had to do with how wishy-washy his season was. We were talking about that all last year. It felt like Tennessee's backcourt was kind of, it kind of just depended. Like, on one night, they'd go crazy, 20 points each. Um, The other night, it'd be, they combined for, 11 like you know what i mean like it was one of those things where it just kind of struggled to get a beat on them and i think now they're under that circumstance where they're able to get a little bit more of a talking about jane springer in, in particular he's able to get a little bit more of his like his bearings i guess is the best way for me to phrase it like he's able to get a better understanding of his game and really kind of fully actualize his game because you mentioned beforehand like the idea of him being 19 years old, um, him and Keon Johnson are so young that that team, there was, there, that was two guys trying to figure themselves out while being on a team that they were not allowed to be alphas, right? Like, I mean, there was a lot of circumstances where, like, Keon was coming off the bench as a guy who's a high-energy guy, but not really getting to be that actualization of himself. And I think the same thing goes with Jaden Springer. Like, he's a very consistent mid-range guy or semi-consistent mid-range guy, has a lot of physical bulk to him and can be a really dangerous physical inside presence. As well as you mentioned on the defensive end, he has the physical build to be able to step out on ones and twos and really guard his ass off. So it's going to be one of those interesting things to kind of see how he develops just because of how young and raw I think he still is. Um, Man, the G League, man. The G League. <laughs> That's, I mean, we've been having fun with this for the last couple of weeks in terms of having guys like Sahil and having Jeffrey on. And we actually, spoiler alert, we have a couple of other people in mind in terms of other people we want to talk to about the G League and covering the G League. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, the, man, it's just it's going to be a really fun year. It's going to be a really fun continuation of the year. Um, and, you know, part two coming soon in terms of these unsung hoopers. Half the reason I'm I'm rambling is because there's guys we didn't get to talk about that I'm trying to shut my mouth on in terms of guys that I want to I want to discuss further. So I have to kind of go a different route and kind of talk about something else. But yeah, this G League season has been really fun so far. It's going to be really intriguing to see how some of these guys continue to ball out. Maybe get a call up too. Save it for part two, Jalen. We got to save it for part two. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir.
Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who are some players that you would consider unsung hoopers in the G League? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.